You're listening to Harper Audio Presents, a podcast for audiobook fans made by audiobook people like me, Andrew Caberline. Happy Halloween, audiobook fans. I don't know about you, but Halloween is my favorite day of the year. There's something particularly gratifying about seeing the subway littered with people in costumes sitting next to people just trying to get to work. I really love that. It puts me in the holiday spirit. So we thought we would get you, our listeners, in the holiday spirit too by sitting down with Hester Fox. Hester is the author of the hit debut novel, The Witch of Willow Hall. It's a chilling historical fiction novel set in Salem, two centuries after the infamous witch trials, making it the perfect read for the season. It's on sale now, wherever you get your audiobooks. Hester, thank you for sitting down with us today. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much, Andrew. Oh, no problem. Um, so this is your debut novel. Yes. So is it safe to assume that you haven't always been working as a professional author? Yes, that's very safe to assume. <laughs> so could you tell us a bit about the different jobs you've had or, or still have and how you've come to be a writer? Yeah, of course. Um, I won't bore you with all the early days of service jobs <laughs> and part-time work in college. Um, basically, my background is mostly in museum work. So I work in collections. I'm a tech uh, maintenance technician. Um Basically, it's the unsexy version of a conservator. So when you see somebody restoring a painting on the news of like, you know, a Raphael in Italy from the 15th century or whatever, that's not me. I'm doing the kind of dirty work of cleaning the frames, um, kind of preventative maintenance to help paintings and objects look their best and stay healthy, so to speak, um, so they won't need that kind of major conservation. Um, so that has taken me from places like fine art museums. Most recently, I was at the Isabella Stewart Gardner in Boston, which I highly re- recommend checking out if you're ever in the area. Um, and I guess m- my background is also in historic house museums, which is actually kind of my preference to the fine art museums. So I worked in a lot of historic homes from 19th, 18th, and even 17th centuries, um, And that's kind of where my love of writing comes in. I really like the history that objects tell. I really like working with old things and imagining the people's lives that touch them. So a lot of my ideas, a lot of my research, when people ask me, how do you research your book? um, I kind of feel like I cheated a little because I'm not sitting down with a big stack of books. I'm actually working at a house with the objects and learning history that way. Well, that's a really great way to do it, I feel like, to be tactile with with the objects that you're writing about. Yeah. Uh, so did you always want to be an author? Um, I think it was on the list. I had a pretty big list when I was little. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Um, I think a writer was on there. Um, but it wasn't something I really pursued or thought seriously about until the last few years. So what what changed your mind or what made you consider it more seriously? Um, somebody I knew was doing uh, NaNoWriMo, the National Novel Writing Month, and I was like, that sounds really cool. I think I could give that a shot. Um, And I was kind of looking for something to do um, outside of work as a hobby. So I started writing stories, and then I was just like, oh my God, I I love this. I could do this. (laughs) And so I kind of went from there. That's amazing. I love that. I on my list when I was a kid, I wanted to be a game show host. That was oh, the thing I wrote about. So there's yeah. still time, I feel yes, like, for I me mean, to do that. This yeah. isn't far off, too. You no. get to interview. <laughs> We're going to be playing a lot of games, by the way. Awesome. I don't know. If told no, I wish. I wish we had games to play. Um, so when you're writing, do you have a, a place that you like to write the most? 
Yeah, I have a really nice home office overlooking the skyline of Boston, which is really nice, except they just built a horrible new casino right outside <laughs> my window. So it's blocking that. Um, I do find I like to work in public. I never thought I would be one of those people with a laptop in the coffee shop, um, but that's me now. I love going to the local coffee shop and sitting on the couch there and kind of working with the noise of people around me. What is it about the, other than, than the noise, what is it about being in public that makes it easier for you? I don't know. Um, I think it's almost just the act of leaving the house. Like I'm going to go do something now and I have to sit down and do it rather than being at home where it's kind of easy to be distracted maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to, I guess, differentiate between I'm working now when you're in your home. Yes. It's easier <laughs> to be like, I'm working at the Starbucks or wherever you get your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have a, a ritual for when you're writing or a way that you like to work as you're writing? Yeah, um, I probably should develop more of a process. I feel like um, this was pretty much my first manuscript, um, aside from some half-finished projects. So I kind of feel like it's easy to fetishize the process of that one. Um, I'm, But now that I'm working with deadlines, it's a lot harder. Before I had kind of unlimited time, it was just whatever I needed to do to get it done. So I'm kind of um, still feeling my way through what works for me to to finish a second book. <laughs> um, so for any of the aspiring authors who might be listening to this right now, uh, do you have a particular tip or one rule or a piece of advice that is more sage than all the others? <laughs> um, I think first of all, just I haven't run into any advice that has will work for everybody across the board, so I'm really kind of hesitant. I will say that... Um, I am a perfectionist, so I get into that trap of if it's not perfect, I'm not going. You know, I'm just going to keep it in my head until I can get it the way I want it on the page. And if you can push past that and just write down everything, like some of my scenes will just be bullet points or sentences about he goes to do this, so I can come back later. Because otherwise, you just get um, kind of like bottled up and you can't move forward. So that's kind of my practical advice. Um, just broader in terms of navigating the industry as I'm still really a newbie at that. Um, I have a critique partner, so we swap our manuscripts and kind of give each other feedback chapter by chapter. And that has probably been the most useful thing for me in the process. Um, it holds you to, like, to be accountable to finishing. Um, you get fresh eyes on it. They catch a lot of stuff. And it's just really good to have a cheerleader and then somebody also you can rant to like when things aren't going your way. I'm interested uh, in what you were talking about with writing down these bullet points. So so does this just come at like any time in the day for you and you have to like rush to, <laughs> to write it down in some way or... Uh, I probably should. I'm somebody that like, I will have a notebook in my purse, but I won't reach in and take it out. Um, so I just keep it in my head. But I guess just more broadly, when I'm sitting at the computer and kind of trying to think about where a scene should go or what I need to do, just writing what I have already instead of trying to get it fully formed. So in the Wichita Hall, you touch a lot on the history of witches in Massachusetts. Could you tell us what inspired you to write about that as the topic for your novel? Yeah, so it was actually kind of incidental. I wasn't planning on writing about witches, but then it turned out my main character was a witch. <laughs> uh, I like that you say that as if like, oh, like you had no idea I and then it, it came yeah. to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think I've, it was probably always in my subconscious. Um, I live not too far from Salem and definitely 
school, we always, you know, we watched The Crucible. We learned about the witch trials, go on field trips to Salem. It's such a cool area. So I think definitely that history was kind of like intertwined with my uh, understanding of the history of the area. But yeah, I was not going in to write a witch book. It just turned out that way. So, so if it turned out that way, was uh, is there an earlier version of the Witch of Willow Hall that existed without witches, and what was that like? <laughs> there are so many earlier versions. Um, I think I'm what you would call a pantser when it comes to writing. You just write by the seat of your pants. So early versions just went completely different directions. Um, yeah, I think there was a version where she wasn't a witch. Um, when I put aside my first draft to kind of let it sit and think about it for a few months, when I came back to it, I realized the second half wasn't working at all. So I totally rewrote it. And I think that's when I figured it out that my main character was a witch. So I went back and worked that in. So how long from inception to turning in the final draft, how long was that process for you? I started writing it in the early fall of 2015. And... I signed with my agent in the fall of 2016, so about a year, but the revisions didn't stop there. <laughs> I still had to revise for my agent and then again with the editor, so I mean, all told, that was about three years ago now. I'm glad it's in print now because I can't change anything else. Do you, do you get that uh, that urge sometimes to go back in and be like, oh, I want to change just like this one word here, this sentence? And... Yeah, a little sometimes. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder why I chose a certain word or something like that. But that's the perfectionist in me again, and I'm happy with how it turned out. Well, speaking of those words, uh, you employed a lot of words at your disposal in this book. <laughs> and... If I were to challenge you, this is where we get into the game part okay, of this. I'm ready. If I were to challenge you <laughs> to try to describe this book using only three words, mm-hmm. what are they? So let's see. I'm going to distill 386 pages into three words. Yeah, no pressure. Right. Um, I think sisters would be one. The sister relationship is big in the book. Spirits would be another because um, not only is there witchcraft there's also some spiritual stuff and then secrets because i think there's a lot of secrets in the book i won't ask you what the secrets are i feel like that would defeat (laughs) the point for any potential readers and listeners out there (laughs) so a lot of the early reviews are in for the book and they are comparing it a lot to classical literature such as jane eyre and to jane austen as well. Everyone named Jane. <laughs> Good name. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to have your debut novel compared to such like monolithic titles as that? And did, did you expect that to happen? Uh, no, I didn't expect it. And it's definitely no pressure at all. It's fine. Um, I mean, I love it. It's, to me, it's the highest compliment. I grew up reading a lot of classic literature. I didn't really discover young adult and historic fiction until much later in my life. So I was uh, raised on depressing classics like Thomas Hardy and Dickens and, and you know, um, the Brontes and Jane Austen. So I think a lot of that was kind of in my subconscious and I'm, I'm just thrilled that came through though. Uh, you've mentioned that the, the book of course has to deal with witches and witchcraft and also spirituality. Um, it, for, for people who maybe are, uh, too afraid to see horror movies and maybe get spooked very easily, is there still, uh, a lot in there for them? Yes. Um, I think it's creepier rather than scary. And it's, I can't promise zero gore, but it's very minimal. Um, I'm somebody 
that was scarred by the Saw movies. Um, I would not do that to a reader. Um, yeah, it's more atmosphere and kind of um, tense than anything else. So who was your favorite character to write in this book? I'm not sure if I'm supposed to have favorites or not. <laughs> I won't tell them. I won't okay. tell the characters. That you <laughs> Don't tell favorites. the other characters. Yeah. Um, I really liked writing Catherine, who is the older sister. Um, she's definitely kind of the antagonist to the uh, main character, Lydia, but she's also just got so much like overconfidence. Um, and even for the time period, she's just very feisty. She says and does what she wants, and there's like kind of a freedom to that. So I had a lot of fun writing her. I know that you're an expert on the history, uh, but did you, <laughs> <laughs> I hope they could hear that face that you made there. <laughs> Me too. Um, did you find any any difficulty in writing specifically in period as opposed to, to modern? For sure, yeah. Um, I've, I'm guessing that's a struggle for most historical fiction writers. You want to be true to the period, but you also want it to be readable for a modern audience. So it's kind of straddling that line. Um, I definitely, in copy edits, I think I found out just how many words I used that weren't around in the 1820s. What was the the, the most egregious one that you're like, oops, couldn't put texting in there as a word or something <laughs> that, like that? Yeah. Um, so wallpaper was really surprising to me, um, especially since, as I mentioned, working in historic houses. And I actually worked for an organization that has the largest historic wallpaper collection in the country. And... I've never heard it referred to anything else except wallpaper. Couldn't find any words that people were using prior to that. So in the end, I was just like, you know what? If there is another word, nobody's going to recognize it. So we went with wallpaper and that's in there. But Well, no one was going to recognize it. And now someone's going to listen to this yeah, and come back at you. I just outed and, myself. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> um, so when you're not writing or working at museums, uh, do you have time to read as well? Yeah, um, definitely. And I kind of, some of my writing days I use as reading days, which I still count because I think to write, I have to read a lot or that's what I tell myself anyway when I'm curling up with a book instead of working. Um, I love to read. I listen to audiobooks a lot when I'm working. Um, yeah, I just, I love reading different genres, historical fiction, but also contemporary and romance. And just, I think it all helps be mm -hmm. a writer. So what are you reading or listening to right now that you would feel comfortable recommending yeah. to the people at large? <laughs> uh, right now I'm reading The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein by Kirsten White. It is so good. Um, I'm feeling like all the Mary Shelley vibes because this year is, I think, the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. So there's so many good books out there right now. So I'm really enjoying that. Um I just started Melmoth, I think is how you say it. Yeah, by Sarah Perry. I really like the Essex Serpent, so I'm excited for that one. Um, yeah, and then I think romance novels, I usually am reading a few of those at the same time. Right now I'm reading Elizabeth Hoyt's Maiden Lane series, which I'm really enjoying. Wonderful. Um, so The Witch of Willow Hall is out there. People are reading it. It's doing <laughs> well, but we can't just stay in the present. So what <laughs> are you working on next? What ideas are ruminating? Oh, well, it's more than an idea. My deadline's in a week. <laughs> um, oh, what are you doing here then? I know. You, you got to get home and write. <laughs> I know. I have my computer with me for the train ride home. Um, so I'm working on a second book. It's a standalone. It's not a sequel to The Witch of Willow Hall. But that said, I think if readers enjoyed Witch of Willow Hall, they'll like this one too. It's also 
kind of a dark Gothic um, romance at its core. It takes place in the 1840s in Maine. It's a very loosely gender-flipped retelling of Beauty and the Beast. And the beast, air quotes, um, in this case, is an agoraphobic widow that lives in the town that's kind of... um, very reviled in the town. There's a local legend built up around her and she's kind of taken to her house and um, isn't seen. And, you know, there's a lot of mystery surrounding her. So it sounds like it's a bit closer to the source text, uh, the folklore Beauty and the Beast rather than the Disney yes. singing and dancing plates. Kind of yeah, one. it's it's a little uh, more morbid <laughs> than the Disney version. <laughs> That's wonderful. Um that was all the questions that I had prepared, but I always yeah. like to end by asking, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to say specifically? Um, I don't know. I can't really think That's of fine. anything. Any weird talents you've been hiding out? <laughs> no. Um, I think the only other thing I can think of that was really fun part of writing this book, um, kind of in terms of research, like I said, I didn't do a lot of sit down book research, um, was growing an herb garden in my backyard. Uh, we were lucky enough to live in a house where the previous owners just decided they wanted a dirt patch for a yard. So it was kind of a blank canvas and I started researching herbs and planting them. And that informed a lot of the, um, the kind of witchcraft that happens in the book. So that was a lot of fun. What herbs are you growing right now? Um, really useless ones. They're really cool. There's a lot of poisonous ones. Um, like I can make absinthe now. I have a lot of wormwood. Is uh, that legal for you to make? I don't know how to make it anyway, <laughs> so they probably don't care. <laughs> but if the inspiration strikes, I guess I could try. Um, yeah, and then all the basic kitchen herbs. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you for being here. The author of The Witch of Willow Hall, also an amateur absinthe maker. <laughs> Hester Fox, thank you so much. Thank you, Andrew. We hope you enjoyed listening. And if you did, why not search Harper Audio Presents in whatever podcast app you're using and hit the subscribe button. Better yet, write a review while you're there. It would help us out a lot. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back soon with more forays into the wide world of audiobooks.